Praise God. Well, we've been looking at a series the last couple of weeks called Courts of Heaven. And there's a little bit of confusion. It's uh, some things are new and we've got some different things back. So today we want to talk, this message is going to be about uh, the fears and facts about the, the courts of heaven. Um, what about, what are the, some things about this teaching that scares you? Anybody just throw it out. Anything scare you about it or just... You're excited about it. That scares you. <laughs> Anything that maybe it's like, or that you wonder about, you know, like, what's up with this? Or it's a little bit different. Or, you know, some of us come back, it's like, well, I've been praying all my life and I never thought about this. And so now I don't know if I, if I know what to do. I don't know if I got the procedure right. Uh, some different things like that. Maybe you've been wondering that. Here's um, uh, some of the things that came in, like in relation to natural courts, you know, if it's not handled right, there's a, you can suffer a loss. There's, it's like things, it's just like, you know, taking a risk. You know, if you don't do things right, then, then you lose the case. And so that, that's been a fear. As one said, it depends on, like the natural, natural courts depends on attorneys, the jury, the judge, the crafty lawyers and stuff like that. So that's like, you know, wow, well, I don't know if I have this all down and I don't know if I have the procedure just right. Some other comments, I don't know what to do, what procedure to follow. Um, fear of the accuser, maybe it has more power, more knowledge of, of how, to, how to proceed. One comment was, I don't remember what all I have to say and do, you know, to, to get there. Uh, how, do I know, how do I know how to pray this way? So different things like that. Um, first thing is, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Just chill. Philippians 4 Chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul's already telling us that. He says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that word peace there in the Greek is a state of peace. And it's actually like, um, it means the legal security it's like the, uh, uh, the results of a tr treaty of peace. Ben the benefits of a treaty of peace are a covenant of peace. So the peace of God, he says, uh, will guard your hearts and your minds. So if your heart and your mind seems a little anxious about maybe the teaching and like, well, I don't know if I really understand this. It seems like it's just different. And I'm now I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to, to do, you know, to pray right or have the right words to say. So I don't know what to do now. I don't know, there's been some feeling along that line. So just don't worry about it that much. Here's some facts. That was some fears. Here's some facts. Is you have an advocate. And, and who's your advocate? Jesus is. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we hear this around Christmas time. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And what it says the government will be on his shoulders in uh, Isaiah 22, 22, it says, I will place his, on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. It's like he shoulders the responsibility of the government, the administration of God. Wow. And those are all legal terms, and we see that really applying as we talk about the courts of heaven. He's, our, he's a wonderful counselor. 
You know, miraculous is when you look up that word wonderful. Miraculous counselor. Wow. Um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, but if anyone, uh, well, hold on, back up just a little bit. He's a wonderful counselor. And um, it, that word counselor is paraclete. In the Greek, it's paraclete is what that means. Maybe you've heard that before. It means intercessor, consoler, legal advisor, advocate, counselor, one called upon for support. So, but the thing is, I don't know if we really realize that we have a team of counselors. You know, you've heard of Kramer and Kramer or whatever. We have, we have God and God. We have God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. What did Jesus tell us in John 14, 16? Some of his last words to his disciples. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, another counselor, to be with you forever. Now, Jesus was going away. And we know that he is our, he intercedes for us before the throne of God. But he says he sends, he's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send another paraclete, another counselor to be with us always. He says, the spirit of truth. He goes on to say in the 14th chapter, verse 26, but the paraclete, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, if you forget something and you're not sure what to do, don't get all stressed out about it. Just ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to guide you into that, to remind you of what Jesus said. I think, you know, he's the silent partner. And we fail to ask him. We fail to allow him to get involved in these things in our life. We just get all stressed and worry about it, and we shouldn't. So he says the uh, he's going to ask the Father to send him in, in his name. He will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then Jesus goes right along with it. He says, peace I give to you. It's that same kind of peace, that, that state of peace. We can be in that, that's, uh, that can be what we function in. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't get all stressed out about this. We have a counselor. We have... The paraclete, the Holy Spirit here with us through everything. We have Jesus before the throne interceding for us. In the 16th chapter of John, Jesus said this, verse 7. He said, unless I go away, the counselor, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he goes on in verse 12. It says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Jesus still, that was 2,000 years ago, and he's still saying things to us. And, you know, every day he, he reveals himself more to us. Uh, he says, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, all truth that has been, that we do know, and then what is yet to come about Jesus. He says, he will not speak of, him, of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He's going to tell us what is yet to come. When was the last time you checked in? You know, you might have checked the weather today, see if, it was, if we're going to have a picnic. When was the last time you checked in with the Holy Spirit to see what else, what was coming? What's coming next? The weathermen, you know, that yesterday they were saying we we're going to have rain till 5.30. I guess if we would have just checked with the Holy Ghost, he would have told us exactly what was happening and what time it was going to happen. So that's what we did this morning. <laughs> and he said, just have it here. Verse 14 goes on to say, and he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Wow, the testimony of Jesus. Jesus' testimony, the Holy Spirit takes that, he reveals it to us and makes it known to us. He's going to lead us into all truth. 
you know, those things that are the unknown revelation of Jesus. The fear is, you know, people say, or uh, different ones are saying, I don't know what to do, what procedure to follow. I don't remember what all I have to say and do. You know, how do I know how to pray? So remember, the fact is we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is given as a counselor to guide us into all truth, and he can speak in our behalf. He can speak in our behalf. Turn to Roman, Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Because I quote this a lot of times, but we need to, you need to see it and need to write it down. Or underline it or highlight it. And that was an amen coming from heaven. Romans 8, 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, admits here that he didn't know what to pray for. I like that. That doesn't make me feel so bad when I don't know what to pray for. I don't know, I don't know how, to, how to pray about a situation, what I should ask. You know, I need to make sure that it's right. Um, so I don't have to get stressed about it because... All I need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to speak for me. It says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Cool. What, what do we got to worry about? I mean, if we pray in the Spirit, then the, the Spirit is going to pray in accordance with God's will. We don't have to worry if he's going to miss it or not. He knows. And God, who's searching our heart, he knows the, the, the Spirit, and the Spirit knows the mind of God's, what it, say, it says there, and the Holy Spirit's going to pray in accordance with God's will. I think that's pretty cool. So if, you're, if you want to practice something, practice uh, learning how to allow the Holy Spirit to speak for you, to, be, to pray in the Spirit, to allow him to, to pray through you, because he will pray according to God's will. So what is the procedure here with this thing? What is this? You know, it seems new because we know that Jesus taught us about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He taught uh, and in the sense of God the Father and how that we approach God our Father. And, and uh, you know, he assured us that the Father loves us. And he says, if you ask him for a fish, he won't give you a stone, you know, and, and various things like that. So he knows what we need before we even ask. It's what, what he says the Father does. And then he taught us in, in Luke 11 that, you know, a friend uh, had a friend come by. And so he didn't have the provision there for the friend or the friend was in need. And so he went to another friend and asked that friend to help him supply these, what was necessary for his, his friend that was coming. So we see that he said prayer is like going to your friend, like God's our friend, and go to him and say, hey, my friend Bill's coming over, or Bill has, has this need, and I want to help, help him with this, and so can you help us out with this? And so he taught that prayer is like going to a friend. And then in Luke 18, he tells us that, that prayer is like going to a, a judge. And he gives a story about an unrighteous judge and a woman that was persistent. And she kept coming to this judge and wanting him to hear, her, uh, to rule in her, her, this case uh, and to, to give her justice for her, her adversary. So we find out that when there's a need that involves an adversary and when there's an adversary that's hindering in some particular way and you need a ruling 
uh, and you need justice in, in a situation, and that's when you go in prayer to God as the judge. So he can render a verdict. And, you know, we find that um, he never taught us really the battlefield prayers. Prayer was always before they got to the battlefield. The battlefield was declaring things and decreeing things and driving out and, uh, and taking back what, got, uh, what was stolen or whatever, you know, and, and exercising and executing the will and uh, the will of God. That's what it's all about. That's what happens on the battlefield. So the procedure really is, the first thing that you got to do is go to court. Go to court. You know, get off the battlefield and, um, and go to court. Obtain the, you know, here's the difference in these things. Remember, the Apostle Paul says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Wrestling. You know, in the courtroom, it's like, well, we wrestle and maneuver with this legal maneuvering. You ever notice that? You know, that they try to see, okay, it's going back and forth, and you're looking for a particular way to, to maneuver in and bring about the right thing and bring about the law or what is written. And in the case before heaven, it's that the books are open. And so what's written in the books to bring that into, into the, to the court there, to open that up, and that that's what needs to be ruled on. And... You know, the accuser, the, the adversary, is going to try to bring some reason of why that can't be done. And so that's, you wrestle back and forth, wrestle back and forth. Um, executing, once that verdict gets given, executing that, ver that verdict is really where the battlefield comes into play. You know, we, a lot of times I think that we've tried to, to run to the battlefield without a verdict. Um, we have a couple of examples in the Bible, Joshua is an example of, of warring and, and uh, driving out enemy, right? And, you know, he was to drive out all the ites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Megabites and the Gigabites and the whatever, <laughs> all the ites, right? That's what it was all about. But did he just run out there and start doing that? Or what happened before he went out to do that? There was a decision that was given, and he was told to go do that, right? So there was a verdict that came down that this land now belongs to the children of Israel. It's for them. It's for their inheritance. Now then, you go in and possess the land, okay? We've got a, we've got a verdict here. We've got a, uh, a, you know, we have a, something that we've got to go enforce. And so they went out to enforce it. And that's what his campaign is, and it's an example to us of, of in our Christian life of how that we are to take ground and we're to go forward and, and to move in to the things of God, the things that God has provided for us. And sometimes the enemy camps there, and he, he doesn't want us to obtain what God has. But, so in that, we drive him back because we already have a mandate. We already have a verdict, right, to go and to do that. So we have an inheritance, and we are to go and possess our inheritance, possess the land, so to speak, and then if the enemy is encamped there illegally, then we serve notice that he gets out of there. And there can be a battle that ensues upon that. Now, there can be some other legal things that occur when the battle goes on. Well, we've got to go back then to the court and get maybe a, a new ruling, right, on certain things. It's just as it goes along, and that's what we need to realize. When it involves an adversary that maybe we don't have a previous ruling on, then we need to go to the court and get that verdict. Is that making sense? This can be open mic Sunday. How about that? 
We get, just and throw up a hand and say, wait a minute, stop, hold on. Can you say that again or can you say it a different way? Or, Pastor, you might understand that, but that didn't, I didn't get that. Speak Texan on that one, you know. Bring it here where, where we live. So are you seeing the difference in the battlefield or the courtroom? And, you know, you don't go out there and fight a battle and then get slapped down. It's like, you know, they weren't told to go to AI. They were told to, to go to Jericho. And then what happened? They got thinking, man, we got this. This is cool. Man, we know how to fight. And they got all excited. They ran up to the little town AI. It's spelled AI. And they ran up there and they, here they go. And what happened? They got slapped down. They got defeated. Why? They didn't have a judgment on that. Huh? That's true, too, yeah. So, you know, they didn't take care of business first. Hmm. Well, we're to go out here on, in, in this, the battle that rages where we, we're to strip the enemy of his power and all the uh, illegitimate authority that uh, he holds over us individually and corporately, and that's where the battlefield takes place. But we've got to make sure that we have legal action first. And so, go to court. And here's the main thing. And I think uh, a couple weeks ago on part one of this, we talked along this line a little bit. And then after church, some of us were talking, and this thought came up. It was like, just show up. <laughs> just show up. If you have a, a court appointment, and you're supposed to go to court, you better show up. Just show up, because you sure won't win if you don't show up. And if you show up, chances are they'll dismiss the case. You know, there's people, I've heard stories about that they got a ticket for speeding or supposedly running a stop sign or something like that. I know Debbie could tell us stories about that. <laughs> and um, so they got everything together, got all their stuff together, and they showed up at court, and then it's like, well, the police, the arrest, or the police officer that wrote the ticket, he didn't show up, so it's case dismissed or something like that. So, you know, the thing is, is just show up. Our problem is we're not showing up before the court of heaven. And God has no other choice than to, you know, you know he's frustrated because the adversary in Revelation 12, 10 says that he's there day and night accusing the brother and the sister, <laughs> the sisters and the brothers. He accuses us day and night. I'm glad I don't have God's job. I mean, don't you think he'd just like to step up off of that throne and walk down there and just slap him one, you know, real good? But God's just, and, and he's righteous, and so he needs a right to, to step in and, and to have a legal ruling. We need to give him that opportunity. So we just show up and don't quit. The other thing is, you know, a lot of times when the ruling's coming, Satan really tries to hinder. In fact, in Luke 18... When Jesus was telling the story about the, this widow, she kept on, and she was persistent. He said, you know, you ought to learn something from both things here. She was persistent in this thing. It was an unrighteous judge, but because of her persistence, that he ruled in her favor. Also, in Daniel, remember when Daniel was praying over the situation, and it was 21 days, and the angel showed up and said, you know, um, God heard your words the first day, and your prayer was heard, your words were heard. And so they were heard before God, but also Satan there day and night accusing. He heard them too, and he sent, you know, an ambush against the angels who were bringing that message down. You know, angels are messengers 
uh, from God sent to, to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. So they were bringing this message down, this answer, the verdict down to Daniel who had been fasting and praying for 21 days, so weak he couldn't even stand up. And the angel said, you know, hey, God heard your prayer the first day, but we were engaged in warfare in the heavenlies and uh, against the prince of Persia, that remember principalities and powers, and he says, uh, you know, until Michael showed up, I couldn't get away, and Michael showed up, and he freed me up, and I was able to come and bring this message to you. So da Daniel was persistent, though. Even though a verdict was ruled there 21 days prior, he hadn't got there yet because Satan was trying to hinder that verdict coming down. So don't quit. you got to show up, and then don't quit. You've got to continue to believe, continue to, to be there and say, I know that it's coming. I'm gonna tr I trust God has heard my prayer. It's coming. It's coming. So... The first thing, go to court. <laughs> if you're going to get a ruling, go to court. Show up. The second thing is, take care of outstanding charges. <laughs> I don't know if anybody in here has anything to do with that or not. I, I haven't ever had that problem, but I do know that I've sat in court. People have asked me to come and pray with them. And I've seen people, other people maybe go before, and all of a sudden they maybe rule on this one, and then comes up and says, but you've got an outstanding warrant in, uh, in Pearland, <laughs> you know, like, and they're here to take you. <laughs> oh, whoa, excuse me? <laughs> take care of outstanding charges. What has the devil been accusing you of? What have you been doing? That's where we need to come before God and ask him to forgive us. You know, we need to, have, we need to come before him and, and uh, have our act together, in a sense. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Turn to 1 John 1. John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. So we don't want that to happen. Most of the time what trips us up is the sin of iniquity. Iniquity is, is self-willfulness instead of God's will. It's our will. And sometimes we try to convince ourselves that it's God's will, right? We're good at that. I'm good at that. I got all these good reasons why. That would be a great thing for, to be God's will for me. Because <laughs> I like that, right? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, God, this would be great. Don't, can't you see how this, oh, I, I'm sure that's your will because it's just, that's going to be wonderful, wonderful, right? Man, y'all don't have a life if, if, you don't, if you don't, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just strange. But anyway, and that's, so that's self-willfulness. If I do my own thing rather than God's thing, that's iniquity. And you know, I can deceive myself and think, no, 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 that's got to be God. And so then I don't even want to bring that up, right? Because if you bring it up, then God might say, no, I never said that. But if, I'm just, if we kind of have it like, you know, like, yeah, I think so. And then we kind of go on, you know, about our business. And we think we, have, we haven't sinned. We're deceiving ourselves. And self-deception -dece is the greatest type of deception. Denial. Denial is not a river in Egypt. It's a real thing that happens in our life that we want to deny that, that this happened in our life or that, you know, that that's us or we have sin in our life. And so we've got to come before God and we confess our sins. And if we don't know, if we don't know, ask. <laughs> ask the Holy Spirit to do a search. 
That's what David did. Search me, O God. Know my ways. See if there be any wickedness, which is sin or iniquity. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says that, that iniquity is the sin of witchcraft. It's, it's evil. Or rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is simply rebelling against God's will and doing my will. So I'd say that's pretty evil, the way God looks at it. So search me, O God, know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be any self-centeredness in me. And the Holy Spirit will do that search. Kind of like on the computer when you guys are searching. Checking to see if there's any viruses in there, anything messed up. How does, it, how does those things happen? In your computer. I don't know, has it ever happened to your computer? You just think it's just going along fine, and all of a sudden you got something, a virus comes up, and you didn't know that it was there. You didn't ask it to come in, right? It just happened. So you leave your ports open. See, so you should put a guard over your port, your port of your mouth and your mind and all those ports in your life. You're, and that's what David said. I put a guard over my mind, put a guard over my mouth so we don't let those things happen, that we say something that we shouldn't have said. Satan can take that and say, oh, look, they, they spoke this into existence. Now you can't rule for them because this is in process. Now, if something's entered into court, then it has to be dealt with. If we speak something that we shouldn't speak, our words are powerful. They bring about life and death. Satan can use our words. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to show us. Remember, he's the one that's going to help us. He's our helper. He's going to be honest with us. He's going to guide us into all truth, not only about Jesus, but about ourselves. And he can examine us and know us, who we really are, right? That's what a real true friend is. They tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, right? And sometimes we don't like that, but yet he's trying to help us out. And so if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And it says the truth is not in us. It's not really there. So... We've got to take care of some outstanding charges. Um, one of the things, too, in Matthew 5, 25, Jesus tells a story about if you're on your way to court and you have your adversary there, he says, settle those matters quickly. Don't, don't wait till you get before the judge and then have to try to settle it. Settle it, you know, settle them quickly. And so have you ever, you know, been doing something and the devil starts telling you this or he's like, well, you're not going to get that prayer answered because such and such, Right? Oh, well, thank you, devil, for reminding me of that. If we can re here's a new word, repurpose our guilt. <laughs> Everybody's repurposing things these days, you know. Let's just repurpose our guilt. When Satan tries to throw guilt on you, say, thank you for reminding me of that. I was wondering what the hindrance was. Now I know. And so now we can take that and we can come over here and we can ask God to cleanse us uh, for, from that. We can re repent from those things, turn it, repurpose the guilt, and turn it around and ask God to, to forgive us and receive that forgiveness. Use it, uh, use that to, to know what, the, the, the thing is, you know, Satan is so eager to let you know he's got you that he'll tell you most of the time what he's doing. Oh, you can't do that because... You know, you can't do that because look at the life you live and what would make you think that somebody like you could have this? And we say, oh, thank you for reminding me of that. By the way, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from that. So I'm free from that. He doesn't remember it anymore. Strike that from the record. <laughs> you know, in court when they say, oh, jury, don't listen to that. You can't listen. That's, strike that from the record. You can't even deal with that stuff because that's, 
That's under the blood. You know, that's forgiven. Satan tries to bring all those things up. And why does he do that? He tries to bring it up so that we then can reintroduce it into our lives and have worry and fear and anxiety about it and think, yeah, that's right. And here we go. We're stepping back. And now we're concerned, and we already start to reason that God's not going to answer that prayer because of all this stuff that was back here that's already been dealt with. So we need to settle those things and settle them quick. And if it is something that we, where we messed up, and we've been trying to, you know, think that we just don't want to, we don't want to look at that. We know that it's not right in our life, but we feel bad about it. We feel that guilt. Look at Psalm 51. The 51st Psalm. Here's David whenever he had this guilt from adultery and killing, having the woman's, having Bathsheba's husband killed, basically. And so what does he say in Psalm 51, verse 1? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wow. This is some pretty heavy-duty stuff right here. David's asking for. We, need, we can do the same thing. It might not be as, you know, but sin is sin, right? So it says, um, blot out my transgression. Verse 2, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What's he doing? He's taking care of these charges that are against him. All these things that Satan can't accuse him of. So he's not going to allow that to come in on this situation we don't have time for that we got we need to take care of that so there's not a hindrance he goes on to say there on over in, in verse 4 he says so that you can prove you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge in other words we don't need this lord here i am i'm before you right now and ask you to blot out my transgression wash me and wash away all my iniquity cleanse me from this sin so that what, that you can judge right and that, you know, that uh, when you're executing these things, you don't, we don't have to deal with this. We're taking care of this now. So that doesn't have to enter in when we're over here. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. You know, can you imagine, here's a judge getting ready to rule in your favor, and all of a sudden, the adversary says, when he thinks it's about lost, oh, by the way, and he introduces this, evidence and his accusation against you and now the judge says oh man why did you tell me that we could have dealt with this now then you know he's the judge has proved wrong in his decision because he can't rule in that particular way he can't rule in the way he was going to rule because now he's got to deal with this other thing we need to help God out here in a sense he said how do I help God out be honest before him and be truthful and confess our sins and ask him, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Verse 17 says, uh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So we need to get cleansed of these things, everything in our life, all unconfessed sin that, that might be in our life. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal other things to us. Get rid of it. And then have a humble and contrite spirit. In other words, contrite, that word, here's how I remember what it, it's my visual of this. You take a toothpaste container and you squeeze every bit of toothpaste out of it. You've rolled it all up or however you do it, you know. You slide it down on the countertop and squeeze every bit of, y'all don't do that? You just throw it away when there's still toothpaste in there? 
I mean, I get it. I'm always contrite, contrite. <laughs> get here. One little drop comes out. All right, now then, it's, it's got everything out of it. That's what we should be. Every part of us is squeezed out of us so God can put himself into us. A contrite spirit means I don't have any more of me in me. That's how God wants us to come before him, humble and contrite. In fact, Jesus telling the story there in Luke chapter 8, after he tells the story about the woman, the widow, and the unrighteous, uh, you know, judge, he goes on to tell about, uh, in prayer, he says two guys, he said, uh, uh, you know, a priest was coming down to pray, and a tax collector was coming down to pray. It could have been a Levite coming in. And it was a tax collector for sure. The other was a righteous dude. Anyway, so they were going down to pray. And so the righteous dude stands up and says, I'm so thankful that I am whole. You know, this is my words. That I, and, you know, that I pay my tithes and that I do this and I watch after the, the widows and the orphans and I'm just so spiritual. I just think, I'm so thankful that I am so spiritual. And the tax collector is standing way off saying, with his head bowed to the ground saying, you know, have mercy on me. I'm not even worthy to come into your presence. And he just humbles himself and just pours out his heart. And he has a humble and contrite spirit. And Jesus says that when they left, that the righteous one, he left not receiving his prayer answered, but the tax collector who was humbled and contrite, God saw him and he ruled in fact it says jesus says there in verse 14 of luke 18 i tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before god for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted you don't need to tell god how good you are and try to convince him that you've been doing this and you've been doing that and i've been doing this all these years god and and you haven't really answered my prayer now's a good time for you to step you don't want to get into that kind of discussion with god it's have mercy on me oh god because no matter what we do there's something we can still do better but god doesn't want to get into this better type discussion he just wants to get into the one that you know what god i am worthless <laughs> before you I, there's no way i could have done anything to deserve what you have given to me thank you for who you are thank you for your for you know for your grace in my life and your mercy in my life humble yourself before god who are we to stand before the creator of the universe and try to act like we are something? Now, we are something. You are the child of God. He knows that, but don't try to convince him of anything else that you are. Amen. We need to be humble. We, and like Jesus said, you know, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. If you don't humble yourself, God will. My dad used to kind of have a saying. He says, you need to take care of this or I'll take care of it. <laughs> you need to fix this in your life or I'll fix it for you. And so he's saying, you know, you need to be humbled or God will humble you. I can guarantee you, I like the way that I humble myself voluntarily better than <laughs> having to be humbled by God. That's not very fun. Hmm. So first thing is to go to court. Second thing is, take care of any outstanding charges <laughs> or accusations or anything that could be dealt with. Take care of those things beforehand. And then the third thing here is present your case. You say, well, I thought that's what we came in the first place for. It is. But first, you've got to show up. And then you need to take care of all the old outstanding stuff.
and then come and present your case to him. And uh, the first way, how do you present your case? I'll tell you exactly how you present your case. By the book. By the book. In Daniel 7, 10, it says that it goes through all this stuff. And this is really prophetic, but it gives us a, an insight of the courts of heaven. It says that, you know, all these angels there, people were all around thousands upon thousands. And it says that uh, the, the uh, court was seated and the books were open. In those books, and we talked about this last week, so be sure and get that CD or get uh, listen to the podcast on that about the books of heaven. In, basically, in the books of heaven, what, what is contained there is purpose and grace. Everything that has a destiny or a purpose will be found in those books. Every one of us individually have a book about us, about what God has purpose for us before the foundation of the world. He created you. He says, I, before you were formed in your mother's womb. He has plans for us, and they're all written in a book. Your family, your, you know, this church, this city, this nation, all nations, uh, everything has a book about it, and that's when those books are open, and when we have to stand before God, uh, and when, when we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be held accountable for what we've done in accordance with what God purposed for us at the great white throne judgment. That, that happens at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ when the unrighteous dead are resurrected and they stand before him. The books are open. And then judgment is made according to those things. So in the courts of heaven, those books are open, and so we want to present our case according to the books. So, well, how do I know what's in the book? Our helper, the one who speaks for us, right? Did you have your little pre-court uh, session with your counselor <laughs> you've been talking to him allowing him to talk to you he's going to speak in your behalf and you know he can help you to understand if there's a hindrance somewhere what is that hindrance what is the accusations that Satan's going to bring the adversary is going to bring against you what, is, what are all these things and, and then also what is written what is purposed for you and so basically what you want to do is just come into agreement with what is written in the books and when you agree and the Holy Spirit's in agreement, that's a pretty good agreement right there because it says that if any two agree is touching any one thing, Jesus said, I'm in the midst. So agreement is a powerful thing. We need to come into agreement with the books of heaven and then that puts us in agreement with God. <laughs> it puts us in agreement with the Holy Spirit. It's going to put us in agreement then with, uh, it's a good place to be, all right? So we present our case and, and we do it according to the books and Sometimes we can, so, you know, when Jesus was being tempted, he said it is written, and he was going along that line. You know, the same thing. We can basically, as we present this case, we know that it's written. Either it's literally written in the word of God that says, by his stripes you're healed, or it is written in those things that are yet to come that has been revealed to you, that where God says, I have plans for you, plans to, uh, to prosper you and not to harm you. And you see that, oh, part of that prospering you is this, 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 this. Then you present that to the Lord and say, Lord, this is part of my purpose that's in the books. And so I'm asking for this. I'm asking for you to rule on this, give a verdict on this, that it's mine. And for the devil to take his thinking hands off of it. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't throw that in. God, he knows that. But anyway, we present our case before God. And as it is written, what it's in accordance with. And that's where you have to know how to pray in the Spirit. People, it's so important. And you know what? 
I'm not even going to put a percentage on it, a, a ratio of how many people probably coming before the Lord and with uh, you know, petitions and prayers and, and supplications that how they're, they've already come with uh, direction from the Holy Spirit. Knowing how to pray in the Spirit. It's so important, so important. Why do you think there's so much misunderstanding or disagreement or whatever that's attached to that? Because it's so important of understanding what is truth, all truth. He leads us into all truth, what is written and what will be. So, um, and when we then present this then, when we present our case or, and what we, what we want a ruling on, then that really puts the courts, it puts the courts in remembrance. Now God knows, it's not that we have to remind him of anything. I mean, he's, he is the ancient of days, but he's not senile, okay? <laughs> he's got a good memory. <laughs> and, uh, but thank God when he wipes it away, he doesn't have to remember that anymore. That's why he keeps fresh, you know, because he moves all that away. But, uh, but we basically put the courts in remembrance of this. Well, there's the great cloud of witnesses that are there. There's angelic hosts that are there. There's the adversary that's there. And so officially, when we make that, equi- that request, that sets the court into motion. Things are going now. It's on. What's that old guy on uh, Duck Commander? It's on like Donkey Kong, or whatever he says. It's, it's, it's ready now. And so the court altogether is in remembrance of what is written or what the purpose is. And then we present from the books, uh, just like Daniel 7.10 says, the court was seated and the books were open. And now then we have presented our case. Now as soon as we present what we are asking for, what do you think the next thing is going to happen? That's right, the accuser. He cannot let this happen, right? I mean, it just kills him. Everything that he is goes against, this, this goes against everything that he is. So he's got to find some kind of accusation. Can't you just see that team over there? You know, his team, you go find me something, man. You find it now. <laughs> you know, I gotta have something here. And even if it's false or whatever, he's gonna throw something out there. He's gonna cause us, try to get us to waver in our faith or something and so here he comes and so this could be new accusations so we took care of previous charges and all that stuff so here comes some new accusations that's why we still have our counselor that's why we still have one that speaks for us the holy spirit can see that he can tell you that i you know when you're praying and you're praying and all of a sudden you're you're you know that you're asking you're petitioning god and all of a sudden here comes this thought that says like, that's not going to happen because, da, 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 right? Does that ever happen to you? I mean, right when you're like, you think, wait a minute, this is me and God. You know, oh man, I'm right here. You know, where did that come from? Well, this comes from the accuser. He's interjecting, you know, objection. <laughs> you know, he's going to throw something in there. And so now we have to answer these accusations. He is the accuser, as it says there in verse 10 of chapter 12. It says, and he's accusing us day and night is what it says. And so when these accusations come, what are we going to do? We've got new evidence entered in here. So we've got to provide evidence to dispute this, right? Usually what happens is it's something out of the past that's already been dealt with a lot of times. If we've done our, done our job right as far as asking for previous charges or anything we have in our life to be dealt with first, and we've got taking care of everything current, right? So then, then Satan has to go back and get an old charge and try to bring it up and try to get us to, and try to 
you know, manipulate the court some and manipulate us of dealing with all this while we're not getting the actual thing we're, we're petitioning about answered. And so we need to present some evidence then. Wait a minute. So what am I going to present? First of all, I'm going to present the blood who, that speaks on my behalf that says, wait a minute, he's redeemed from that. He's, that's covered, that's been washed, that's been dealt with. That's old news. So we present evidence and allow, it says that the blood, there in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse from 22 through 24, and it says that the blood, speaking of the blood of Jesus, speaks a better testimony than that of Abel. Did you know that all blood speaks? Blood, you know, the life is in the blood. Well, so is the testimony. All blood speaks. Even from bulls and goats, when they are sacrificed, their blood speaks in behalf of the sins. They're, back when it was in the tabernacle days, it would speak in behalf of the sins. And it would roll those sins off for one year. All blood speaks and cries out. Abel's blood cried out to God. And that's how Cain was caught. And so the blood of Jesus cries out and it has a testimony that is of redemption, of forgiveness, of love, of mercy that cries out in on our behalf. And if we've done our job right of asking for forgiveness for all these other things, then that covers it and says, that's been covered. It's taken care of and we can prove it. And that's where in our situation when we're praying, that's when, and you hear this come out of the side, you don't have to address your adversary in the court. We show respect to the, the judge and to the court, and we address him. But we hear that accusation. We hear that objection come. And so what we do is simply present evidence that says, you know, by the blood, that's covered under the blood. I'm cleansed from that. Amen. I'm thankful that I came before this court, and, and I received a pardon. I received forgiveness for that. That's wiped away. That's done with. It can't be brought up again. Praise God for that. And see, people, that's the wrestling that goes on and trying to tie you up and tie things up and bringing this and bringing that and preaching that, well, you know, was that taken care of? Did we take care of that or not? Have you ever been there? Sure, it's like, wait a minute. I thought that was taken care of. Or here, you know, this thing keeps coming up and keeps coming up, keeps coming up. Satan keeps bringing that guilt. That's where you apply the evidence, the evidence of it. You can bring up the word of God that will speak for you in behalf of what it says. The Word of God says that by his stripes I'm healed. You know, and so whatever it is that Satan is, is accusing or what he's trying to hinder, we address those new things and we address it. Then with our counselor, the one that speaks for us, that, who reminds us of, of what it is and, and how then that we can address that. The Lord willing, we might talk about some of the, the various voices. And you can find those in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 22 through 24. It talks about, really, it, it, I think it shows the, the courtroom as it talks about the great cloud of witnesses that are seated there. And, you know, the, the church and the judge that's there and, and the blood that's, that's there as well in this courtroom. And how that these testimonies and things go forth. But in, there in the 24th verse of, of chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says that uh, the sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So that can speak in our behalf. Let the testimonies go forward. Let the evidence be brought. And then remove those hindrances. And when those hindrances are removed, then I think of that scripture in Mark eleven twenty two, When Jesus is, is speaking there, and turn to Mark eleven twenty two, and we'll wrap this up. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he starts out, he says, have faith in God. 
Which really takes us back to the basic. When you're in that situation and, and these, these, this, it's this wrestling, this, this maneuvering, if you will, before the court and trying to get your attention back on these old things and we're bringing in the evidence for this and the evidence of that and basically just stop and listen to our counselor that says, have faith in God. Don't let this wear you down. Don't let him wear you out. Just have faith in God. And then Jesus goes on to say, he says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this, what? What's a mountain? When we see a mountain in scripture, what does it symbolize? It can, it can symbolize an encounter with God. We know that Moses met God on the mountain. Jesus went up on you know, the mountain of transfiguration and there were Moses and Elijah appeared. So mountain can symbolize an encounter with God. It can also symbolize a kingdom. We know that Mount Zion, which Lord willing would talk about Mount Zion in the courts of heaven and how that, that was the highest hill there in that particular region and all the symbolism of that. But that represented, when you say Zion, then it would, it would represent the Israel. It would represent the, the government of Israel. It would represent the seat, the government seat. So mountains can represent governments. And so uh, our powers in that, that realm are representatives of the government. So if Satan is coming and he's representing the kingdom of darkness, and really in a sense it is a hindrance. Mountains also represent obstacles or hindrances. And so Jesus said, if you say to that mountain kingdom, obstacle, hindrance, be removed, be cast into the sea, just dissolved around. He says, or go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, back to what we were there for, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So we deal with these things. We remove these hindrances by faith, faith in God, by declaration, and by expectation. He said, if you believe that you receive them, then you're going to have them. Faith, declaration to be removed from the power. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Those powers and everything that hell has to offer cannot prevail against the church, the ecclesia, this form of, of, of government, if you will, that God has ordained and recognized as a church. It can't prevail against the church. It's not going to override what the power and the authority that we have. That's a procedure. It really can be simple. The thing is, it's like, oh, now, but I don't even know exactly, Pastor, what you just said. I mean, I wrote it down, but I don't know if I can just do that. Yes, you can, because the Holy Spirit will help you. He will guide you. And when you're not sure, you ask him. Don't worry about it. Pray in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to, to help let you know, be aware of what you need to do. You know, we just need to start showing up. We just need to start exercising the authority. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you were called and summoned to court tomorrow, Monday morning, you go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't, don't worry. Your attorney's going to help you out. You just show up. Be honest. Be truthful. Don't hide anything from the judge. Ask for mercy. <laughs> you know, and let your counselor do the talking and, and help guide you and, and, and following from there. Does that make sense? Can we pray this morning? Father, I th thank you for showing us
this and how important it is. Father, I believe that we've been able to get by with a lot of things. And it'd be like a child a lot of times not understanding the procedures and everything, but there's help that comes along the, line, the way. But your word says that Paul said, when I was a child, I, I thought as a child, I acted as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Lord, the, the body of Christ is maturing, and we're living in, in the last days, I believe, where Satan is really nervous and concerned about some things. And maybe some of the things that used to, that we could breeze through about, he, he's bringing more and more accusations. It's more and more difficult then uh, in that particular arena and you want us to understand these things. And you want us to understand that, that you've provided all the help that we need. You've given us a great legal defense as it is through our intercessor Christ who is interceding for us before the throne at all times. And the Holy Spirit who is our counselor who, who guides us into all truth and who will speak on our behalf. Father, we just ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Let us not be afraid of these things. Satan wants us to be nervous that he's more intelligent on these things than we are. Well, maybe he is, but he's not more intelligent than you are on these things. And so our trust is in you. Just like when Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel came before you in their situation and they said, we don't know what to do. And before this vast army, we're nothing, but our eyes are upon you. Our trust is in you. Lord, that's us today. Our trust is in you. We know that, that you are there to help us, not hurt us. So Lord, remind us to not worry about it, not be fearful, but be trusting and trust the Holy Spirit and learn how to pray in the Spirit before your throne. Well, if you're here this morning, nobody looking around and say, Pastor, I've been having a, a challenge with this series and I'm still not really sure if I, if I have it all down, but... I am going to just simplify it and trust in my counselor more. Maybe just raise your hand and say, and just in really signifying to, to the Lord that that's what you're going to do. Amen. 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 Satan would like to try to make you think that, man, I just don't understand this and just throw it away. You know, and just think, well, I'm going to just do the best I can. No, you don't have to do that. You can trust in your counselor for this. I believe that we're going to see things open up. You know, the, the Lord... Was, has been telling us and he's been he, he wanted us to know that the art of receiving so that we can get ready see that's why we need to understand really the art of asking better so that he's got a lot of things he wants us to receive maybe you're here this morning and you're just really not sure about eternity and you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity you're not sure that if you're a child of God you know about Jesus you've heard about him but maybe you've never personally received him that you don't have that assurance that you're going to spend eternity with him if you have question marks or doubts about where you're going to spend eternity then why don't you just raise your hand right now and say pastor will you pray for me because I'm really not sure but I want to be but I'm just not sure and there's some doubt there if I'm going to make it or not if that's you just raise your hand anybody here this morning one thing is you don't have to have doubt about whether you're going to make it. Jesus made it for us, and we believe in him and receive him as our, as our Savior. 
He paid the price, and it's through the price he paid that now we have eternal life. How many of you know someone that's away from Christ? They're, maybe they're a believer, they're a Christian, but they're just not living for the Lord. If you know, just raise your hand. And I want you to kind of get them as a prayer target right now. Just their name just upon your heart. How many of you know people that are lost, that, that are not a Christian? And I mean, get their names upon your heart too, or names of those that you know. And let's just, let's just pray right now. Let's intercede for them. Let's stand in the gap for them. Father, right now, we come to you with all these different ones that raise their hands of loved ones or those that are near to them or dear to them or just friends that they know that, that they're a Christian, they're a, a believer, but they're just not living for you. They're living their own life. They're really living in, in iniquity because they're living their will, not your will. Father, we just cry out to you, ask that you just put something in their path uh, and th that would witness to them. We just want to draw them to you. Lord, there's a scripture in, in your word that talks about putting a hook in their jaw and, and pulling them in. Lord, just draw them into you and help us to be a part of that or place someone in their pathway that they could begin to live their life for you. And Father, those that we know that are not saved, they have not received you, we just hold them before you and ask also for divine opportunities to witness to them, for us or for somebody else, someone that you can bring into their pathway that uh, would be able to just share the gospel with them, that they would become a, a child of God. Father, help us to always be mindful of those around us and their spiritual condition and help our lives be such that we are light that dispels darkness and that people will want to serve you through us serving you. Lord, help us to be that example now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, hey, we're going to be dismissed.